This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Vigit. Vigit lets fans share betting tips and trends with their friends. You can also create betting leagues that are absolutely free. Join our league where you can put your bets against the branded personalities like CEO Joe, Ali, KMS, Walsh, and more. Put a referral code BRANDED when you sign up and put in password BASEBALL93 to join our existing league. Sign up and see where you stack up against us and your friends. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, we look at the Big 12's possible merger with the Pac-12, why Notre Dame fans need to boycott Peacock, and the playoff on the best helmets in college football. We end the show with a tribute to the legend of Bobby Bowden. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. I'm your host, Jake Myers, and we have another possible merger alert. The Big 12 and Pac-12 commissioners have spoke about a possible partnership. All right. Again, if you've been living under a rock, Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. That's going to create a 16-team conference in the Southeast, and that leaves the Big 12 high and dry with only eight teams remaining when they finally leave. Now, the Pac-12 has 12 teams. Big 12 has eight. So these two conferences are kind of like two puzzle pieces perfect that can be placed perfect together where – uh, they give an even 20 teams for that conference. And how things are going in college football right now, it is more and more inevitable that we are going to have at least four super conferences. So what does that leave us? That leaves us with, if this does happen, if when Texas and Oklahoma do leave, that if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 form an alliance and they combine, that puts them at 20 teams, the SEC at uh, 16. The Big Ten has 14, but we'll probably try and go after someone else uh, or two other teams to make that 16. And then you have the ACC that has 14, kind of 15, if you add um, Notre Dame to the mix, because Notre Dame has to play a certain percent, a certain percentage of their games, even though they're not a part of the ACC conference, they still have to play a number of ACC teams so that their other sports can remain in the ACC conference. So how would this look? So if if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 do combine, that puts them at 20 teams. And let's just say that they're going to go with this pod system that the SEC um, has kind of put out there. I guess they're playing around with it, of uh, what they might do. So the SEC has – they believe what they're going to try and do. You're going to be in a pod instead of a division. You're going to be in a pod. Your pod will have um, four teams in each pod from the SEC. Now for this situation, we're still going to keep four different pods, but we're going to spend them out for a little bit. We're going to give them five teams, five programs per pod for this uh, big 12 pack 12 
merger scenario. And what happens, you will play your pod every year, and then you will play one team from each pod for the remainder remainder of games. So let's just take a look here. Now, I try, I try and do this geographically and what makes the most sense. So uh, I have a North Division. I have Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, and then Utah. I figure Utah is um, out of the teams that are a little bit more east than everyone else. Uh, Utah is the most north. I'm putting Utah there. Plus, they are cl- closer to um, – they're closer to that Oregon, Washington area. So that's the North pod right there. The West pod, all the California teams, all of them. Uh, so Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA, and then Colorado. Colorado is a uh, – we're going to talk about this too with West Virginia later on. But Colorado is kind of stuck in the middle, okay? They're kind of close to the old Big 12 because they used to be a Big 12 team. But I just feel like with Utah going up north, Colorado is close enough there. They'll play the California schools. Um, the South, Arizona, Arizona State, Baylor, Texas, TC, or sorry, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU. Um, this one, see, this is tough because no matter what you look at it, you can say, well, Jake, why don't you put Cal up? to the North division and then, you know, or maybe, well, if you're going to keep all the California schools together, why don't you send Arizona? They're closer. Yeah, I understand that. But guys, you want to keep Arizona and Arizona state in the same pod. You want to keep USC, UCLA, Cal and Stanford. You want to keep these teams in the same pod. So guess who's screwed here? The teams that don't really have, a very strong rivalry with anybody. Okay. So sorry, Colorado. Sorry, Utah. You know, who are their rivals? Utah's big rival is BYU. They're not even in the Pac 12. Um, you know, Colorado, their big rivals are Big 12 teams, or at least they they have that long history with, you know, um, you know, even Nebraska, Colorado, Nebraska used to be a fun rivalry, but not anymore. So what, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to keep all of those historic rivalries in place. Now, right here in this South Division, what do we have? We have the two Arizona schools, and then we have Baylor, Texas Tech, and TCU. Uh, trying to keep all those Texas schools together as well. Plus, they're south, or at least south enough. Uh, Lubick, Texas Tech is a little bit north, but still. Um, and – we talked about this two weeks ago when I had a big game boomer on that it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here with Texas Tech and T- or sorry Baylor and TCU because they are a Christian school. Uh, BYU's been trying to get into the Pac-12 for a while, and the Pac-12 is saying no because they don't really they're not big on big time Christian schools being in their conference. So again, um, it's going to be interesting to see what ha- what's going to happen there. I mean, it sounds like the Pac-12 is more going to be more accepting to that. Um, also, in the East, um, Iowa, or sorry, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Now, let's look at this entire conference here. Look at this entire conference, and let's play the game. 
Which one of these teams is not like the other? Which one of these teams just doesn't belong? Okay, and we're going to say, all right, on the count of three, we're going to say what team here doesn't belong. One, two, three, West Virginia. West Virginia, if this happens, does not belong in this conference. And I love West Virginia, okay? Um, it's They have a great fan base. They travel well. But you're going to tell me that their closest game is going to be Iowa State. And, again, they I know they do this now, but now it's just at a totally other level that your closest game is going to be Iowa State, 850, um, 850 miles away. Okay, Kansas State is 950 miles away. Um, and then, it, oh, if you play a crossover game, you're going over 1,000 miles without a question. So West Virginia needs to get out. They need to get out. If this merger takes place, West Virginia needs to say, Big 12, thank you. The ACC screwed us before. Thank you for taking us in. But we do not benefit from this conference anymore. West Virginia will recruit a lot better if they stayed in, or at least at least football-wise, if they were in the ACC. Because then they can they can recruit all those guys on the coast. They can recruit guys a little bit in the northeast, in the or sorry, the northeast, the southeast, and actually build a team that resembles them. You you cannot you cannot get guys, you cannot get kids from the Midwest to go to West Virginia. It's not going to happen. If they're going to come east, they're good. If they're really good, they're going to go to Ohio State. They're going to go to Penn State. They're going to go up north to Michigan, or they're going to go down south and play for whatever SEC team they want to. So West Virginia, for their sake, needs to get out. So that begs the question. If this hypothetical does take place, West Virginia leaves. Let's just say Notre Dame, they, the super conferences happen. Notre Dame is forced to join the ACC, which I think with this new playoff format that's coming out, where if Notre Dame goes undefeated, they, they still can't have a first-round bye in this 12-team playoff that's being um, presented. Notre Dame's going to join the ACC, and so is West Virginia, and it's it's the best thing that could happen. That puts the ACC at 16 teams. Now, if that happens, who replaces West Virginia? And I think it's I think it's simple. It's either one of two teams. Either Boise State finally nuts up and joins a big boy conference, which I kind of don't see happening. Listen, Boise State is really good at what they do right now. They are a great program. Uh, out of all of the group of five programs, I think out of longevity, they have been done. The, they have done the best. I know Cincinnati's been really good. Uh, Last, I know Cincinnati is really good last year. They're going to be really good this year. UCF has had a long track record for about five years or so. But before all that, Boise State was the one that put all the group of fives on the map and said, hey, listen, we can do this too. I don't think Boise State in Idaho has enough of a backing that would want to make that jump anyway. Because remember, it's not only football. You got to play everyone. You got to play everyone in every, or every other sport as well. But since Baylor and TCU are going to join the conference, what about BYU? All right? You had a problem before with the religious school coming coming in. Put them in now. Put them in now. 
if this happens, it's going to be a little tough with the divisions because you're probably going to have to split up BYU and Utah. Um, I mean, and I think that's just the way it's going to have to go. But because one of them, ha- one of them is going to have to go to the north, one of them has to go to the west. Um, so you're going to have to split them up. Um, but I mean, listen, they're not both of them. They're not Pac-12 originals. So sorry. Hey, you get to join our conference, but your traditions and rivalries are going to have to take a back seat for a little bit until you guys play each other. But at least they'll be able to play each other for uh, the beehive boot or whatever. I think it's the beehive boot, what they, what, what they play for. But anyway, that's what I would do. I would get BYU in there. Um, you know, hell, put them in that North Division with Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, and then put Utah in the West, or hell, vice versa. It, I don't think it really matters. Um, but listen, they'll play each other every couple of years, and that'll keep their fan bases happy at least. All right. Next order of business, Notre Dame has announced that their game against Toledo will be presented on Peacock. It'll be presented on the cock. And I think that is terrible for college football. It is awful. Pay to stream services. Keep them the hell out of college football, especially Peacock. Listen, WWE fans and have been complaining about Peacock for a while since I guess they used to have this, uh, the WWE network, which had all these old, um, all these old episodes from the WCW and WWE and all the old pay-per-views and everything that you could watch and even the new pay-per-views. And now you have to watch those all on Peacock. And apparently it's been terrible. Their pay-per-views have like lost feed for like three, four minutes. Uh, the Olympics, I think, have been terrible this year. NBC, you drop the ball completely. I don't know what time games are on. You have replays of games. We already know what happened this morning because of the internet. And you're playing them in prime time. Guess what? No one's going to watch it because they already know who won. You don't advertise well. And then... The one sport everyone wants to watch is men's basketball, and you put that on Peacock to try and get more people so you can make a little bit more money. It's terrible. Keep it the hell out of college football because I swear to God, if I have to end up paying for bowl games or cha- or or like Big Ten, SC, like if I have to pay to watch championship games or bowl games, I'm going to lose my freaking mind, and it's going to kill college football. So keep it the hell out of our sport. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, okay, two things. One, you brought this on yourselves because for all these years, everyone say, join a conference, join a conference. You know, you can't just pick and choose who you play. Oh, hey, we're going to play. We play USC every year. And if USC's down, that's your most likely your hardest game or Clemson now. But, Notre Dame fans, 
when all of that was going on, people telling you join a conference, what was what did you always say? Every single one of you, we don't need to join a conference. We don't need to join a conference. We got NBC. We make more money without a conference. We don't need one. We're good solo. Well, now, now NBC just stabs you in the back because you know if enough people buy this Toledo game, if there is a spike because of this Toledo game, you know there's going to be more games that you're going to have to pay for on Peacock. They're going to force you to join Peacock. So my advice, don't if, if you know someone with a Peacock per, uh, subscription, use theirs, okay? Or illegally stream the game. Find another way. Find it on probably go to Reddit. Try to find a good, decent site. Try not to get a virus. And try and watch this game without Peacock. Because if there's a spike, you're going to have to most likely subscribe in the future. And what reminds me, this kind of reminds me, I went to Notre Dame a couple years ago. And on Touchdown Jesus, on game day, Touchdown Jesus, there was a giant banner, NBC Sports, right on Touchdown Jesus. And I just thought, when, when I heard this news about Peacock, I thought that embodies everything. That NBC is plastering Notre Dame football all over their sites, which they should. Notre Dame football, great brand. If you have your own station, that's awesome. But at some point, they're going to try to exploit you, and that's what's happening right now. NBC is trying to exploit the great Notre Dame fan base and the large range that they have. Because let's face it, there's Notre Dame fans anywhere. And guess what? If you're not even a call, if you're not a big college football fan, you're just a little hint of Irish or, or you're Catholic. Guess what? You love the fighting Irish just by default. So they are taking advantage of that. So do not subscribe to this. Don't do it. Sorry. I got a little fired up there. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we are going to go on to the playoff this week. This week's playoff is brought to you by the band Mellifluous. Go check out their new EP, Just High Enough, anywhere you stream music. The playoff this week is something that every college football podcast has talked about at some point. So why don't I throw my hat in the ring? Uh, The best helmet in college football. Now, we're only talking about primary helmets. So sorry, light blues and Ole Miss, but I love the light blue and Ole Miss, but that can be a a list for another time. So only the primary helmets. So let's get this thing started. I'm going to talk about some honorable mentions first because I feel like there's a lot of helmets that do need to be at least talked about. Um, these helmets are very, they hold very dear to the college football fan bases that they represent and the culture and the tradition. Uh, I mean, if some of these helmets were to change the, you know, the fan bases would petition them, petition them to change it back. You know, there, there'd be people at town hall meetings and, uh, board of board meetings, 
people would be pretty ticked off if some of these helmets were changed. So before we get into my the top four, the playoff, let's talk about some honorable mentions. And let's start off with some classics. Um, first, Alabama. Uh, when you think numbers on helmets, you automatically think of Alabama. Some teams have done helmets on the side and the logo on another. Um, that was like a trend in like the mid-2010s. Uh, but Alabama, it, it's simple, and it, it kind of represents what Alabama is. You know, very simple, a little bit of individualized, but they're going to come in, they're going to, you know, they're going to kick your ass, and they're going to leave. Uh, also, Texas, the longhorn on the helmet with the burnt orange is just perfectly, it just looks perfectly symmetrical with the helmet, with how the the steer antlers are. Um or the horns, I guess I should say. I said antlers like it's a freaking deer. Uh, how the s- steer horns are, I just feel like it's just perfectly symmetrical with the helmet. I think it looks best with the home uniforms that burnt orange. But even the away uniforms, the white on white, that even still looks really good. Again, with that little uh, long horn burnt orange on the side of the helmet. Very nice. Um, I- I'm sorry. I know I'm biased. I'm a sucker. For it. And some people hate it, but I freaking love Penn State's just blue stripe down the middle. Nothing on it. Plain white, no flash at all. It's vintage. It's classic. To me, to me at least, it's never out of style. I love it. Um, all right, some of the more stylish ones that didn't make the cut. Um, Miami, the U on the helmet. Listen, that U has a lot of weight to it. I mean, from, from the outlaws of the 80s to the you know resurrection of the program in the 2000s, uh, Miami has a specific culture that pops to your head. Every time you see that U, it's like all of the greats of Miami's past and all the crazy things that they did flash before your eyes. Um, I also got Liberty Red on Red. That was from Jason White. Uh, sent that one in from our Instagram. Um Check it out. I think it's a cool color. I, I think the red is almost like a flat red on the helmet. I, I, I like it. I think it's a solid helmet. Um, Ohio State. So here's my thing with Ohio State. The stickers make the helmet. You, you know, every time they do something good, it's like goddamn kindergarten where, you know, they, they put a sticker on the helmet. Um, but, but it makes the helmet, especially at the end of the year. There's just stickers all over that thing. Uh, so is it cool? Yeah, it has that 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 sparkly silver helmet, and then you put the the stickers on it of the Buckeye. I mean, it, it's cool. It's a really cool helmet, um, and that's again, that's one that uh, that will never change. Primarily, m- m- all of these will probably never change. Um, this last one before I get into my top four, um, how about Florida? The orange helmet with the gators and cursive, I, I really think it's great. It kind of makes the helmet pop out a little bit. Um, I think it's cool. It, again, not in my top four, but I think still needs to be talked about. Okay. Oh, well, one last one. Texas Tech with that T on T. I love black and red combinations, and I really like the the Texas Tech logo. Um on the helmet, I just I just love the colors, and I, I really I really like that logo, and I really like the helmet. 
All right, here's my top four. Number four, uh, again, I'm a traditionalist, man. I'm going Notre Dame. Uh, Golden Domers, it's a classic look. Um, I have to say I do like it better when they were spray-painted on, but the helmet still looks cool. Uh, it has a tremendous history. I absolutely hate when they put the shamrock on the helmet or they do something with the helmet that's different. I, I Man, you're Notre Dame. Like, you have a specific brand. You have a specific look. Man, keep it. Bring out those green, those ugly green jerseys, you know, once once every couple of years when you have a big game. I'm cool with that. That's fine. It's part of your tradition. But, man, leave the helmet alone. Um, number three, Florida State. Uh, the spear glistens in red and gold. It looks fierce. It really does. It looks fierce. It looks badass. Um, even when the Seminoles, they haven't really been, you know, good the last few years. But I mean, I, I really like that helmet. That helmet is is pretty awesome. Number two, this is a dark horse to win this whole thing. San Diego State. Now, I mentioned before, I'm a traditionalist, but I really like San San Diego State's helmets. Um, it's you know, you have that helmet, and it's if you if you're not familiar, please look it up. So it's it looks like it's a black helmet on the back, but then on the sides it's reddish and it has these Aztec, the um, Aztec ruins on it, and the red makes it almost look like it's like you're holding up a a torch in a Aztec ruin. Like that's how it kind of looks. Like you're you have the torch that's on fire and you're putting it close to the room. That's what the side of the helmet looks like. It's awesome. I think it's amazingly done. I think it's way better than just having Aztecs on the side or the SDSU logo. Um, I absolutely love these helmets. That's my number two. Okay, number one. We're going back to tradition. I have to give credit where all credit is due. I know I rag on Michigan sometimes, but, man, their helmets are the best in college football. Um, other teams have done it before. Princeton has done it. Delaware has done it. But, I mean, that Michigan helmet, to me, is iconic in college football. It's the winged helmet um, just with the, with the maze. Again, you want to talk about things that pop – I feel like the blue with that maze in the front with the wings, with, with the wing style, I really think it pops. I don't like the stickers on the backs of the helmets. I know that was a thing in the 90s. I know Harbaugh's trying to bring it back. And I get it if there's like a couple on the back. But like I don't like it where it's a high – like it's when it's later in the year, I hate it because it's just filling the sides of it. I think it takes away from the helmet. It doesn't look as sharp to me. But anyway, that's my top four. Uh, number four, Notre Dame. Number three, Florida State. Number two, San Diego. Uh, number one, Michigan. Guys, you will be able to vote on this uh, tomorrow and then the final on Thursday. Um, again, check us out on Instagram um, at the Get Back Coach. And then on Twitter, at the GB Coach. Um, we're going to end the show today um, with the passing of uh, Bobby Bowden, who was no doubt 
an absolute legend in the college football world. He, just to tell you a little story about Bobby Bowden here. Um, Bobby Bowden grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. He had this rare um, sickness, um, rheumatotic uh, fever, and I probably just butchered it. Anyway, he was bedridden, and he used to listen to Alabama games, and that's where kind of – like on the radio, and that's where his his love for football um, really took off. And he had an opportunity to play quarterback – for Alabama, but he wanted to get married to his wife, who they were together for all these years, um, Ann Estock. And Alabama had a rule. Think about this. Alabama had a rule that you could not marry as a freshman. So he wanted to marry his high school sweetheart, so he ended up going um, to Howard, which is now Samford University. And, um, or sorry, not Howard, Ham, Howard, yes, sorry, Howard, which is now Samford University, um, plays there. And, you know, at a smaller college like that, especially back then, they were, there weren't a lot of assistants. So his coach, um, Earl Gartman, just gave him the, the backfield someday. So he was kind of like a player coach in college. Um, Later on, he would become a junior college head coach at Southern Georgia. And not only was he the football coach, but he was the baseball coach, the track coach, the basketball coach, and the athletic director all in one. Okay, That kind of goes to show you right there how far college athletics have gone, where you have one guy coaching four sports and was also an athletic director. Um so then after that, um, becomes a head coach at a, at a smaller college, and then finally gets to be receivers coach at Florida State. Does that for a few years, then goes to offensive coordinator up in West Virginia, and then becomes eventually becomes the head coach. Okay. You know, does well. I think it was like 42 and 26 record. Beat Lou Holtz in the Peach Bowl. That was his last game in West Virginia. Got into a bowl, like a big bowl. Um, and then he was hired back at Florida state, but before he left for Florida state that last year, um, he wanted West Virginia to wear Marshall jerseys, the final game of the year. NCAA said no, but they settled for crosses with a green MU on them, um, to, and this was because of the Marshall plane crash that happened. Um, Marshall, if you guys don't know, is also in West Virginia. Marshall, West Virginia have kind of this rivalry, but West Virginia was there when it was time. Um, even in the movie, we are Marshall, it kind of, it shows Bowden giving them film. And he was a very big advocate of trying to honor them. So he goes to Florida state and the rest is history. I mean, he's there for what? 30, 34 years. Um, he won 12 ACC championships in, and he was in the only in the ACC for 18 years. Like that is unbelievable. He won a, like eight in a row. He went 
for ACC, won two national championships, but there were some controversies along the way. Um, you know, a couple of his players in the early 90s got in trouble with agents. Um, during the 1999 um, season, they got in trouble for, you know, for theft some of his players in a department store. And, and he was one of those guys who wanted to be compassionate. He wanted to be understanding. He wanted to be a coach that gave guys second chances because if he believed, if you didn't give a guy a sec, a second chance, especially young people, you don't know where they could be Their Their life can be changed drastically based on, you know, uh, something dumb that they did when they were younger. Um, and yeah, he got flack for it, you know, and people question his, his control over the program. And you know what? Maybe he did, you know, some guys were let off the hook, maybe a little bit too much there, but there was no doubt he cared about his players. Um, You know, Myron Roll shared a story on Sunday morning saying that, you know, he was supposed to, he was going to be in a Rhodes Scholar and he ended up becoming a Rhodes Scholar, but he needed to pass a test first. And it was on the same day as a Florida State football game. And the athletic director goes to Bowden, and Bowden says, without question, he needs to go take this test. This is a once in a lifetime thing we can manage without him. You know, now that's easy to say because at that time he had dudes rolling out every year, but still. I mean, to not even think about it, just to think like, hey, like this is this kid's future. You know, hell with football. There's more important things going on right now. So um, Bobby Bowden ends up retiring, lives a long life. Um, Again, uh, he passed away um, early Sunday morning at the age of 91. And and listen, he will be forever missed, not only in the Florida State community, but in the college football community. There aren't many Bobby Bowdens left. Um, the, you know, where you go to a school and you're there for 34 years is not happening anymore. Um, you know, Nick Saban is, I guess, the old guy now, and he's, you know, hasn't been to Alabama for that long. If we really think about it, how long has he been there? What, you know, 13 years? So it's very hard for there to ever be another Bobby Bowden. Um, It's we live in a very cynical world where you have to win now and that there's pressure. There's more pressure. There's more microscopes on you and that you need to go in and you need to win and you have to improve. And if you're, and if you're not quite there, you're going to get fired because it's coaching right now. It's a, it's a dangerous profession to be in, you know, um, you know, I, I rag on Dabo all the time, but look at Dabo and Clemson. He didn't have the Clemson fans wanted Dabo gone his first couple years. Hey, this isn't working. He needs to go. He was building. He was building. He was building. And then, bam, breaks through. And now, oh my, he's, he's the greatest thing ever. So it, it's very. We're, we're probably never going to see another Bobby Bowden again. You know, and, and there's a bunch of other coaches I can go on about how coaches were able to stay at one place for an extended period of time. But um, Bobby Bowden uh, was a legend in the college football world, in in the college sports world, Um, an absolute legend at Florida State. And 
there is no doubt that he has touched so many lives of players and has helped a lot of coaches uh, throughout. I saw stories on Twitter for, for, of, of no-name coaches from no-name universities saying about how nice he was, about, hey, hey, let's get some pictures. Let's do this. Like, just a guy, just a Southern, uh, an old Southern gentleman who was charismatic, who you could see going into um, <laughs> the homes of young men of high school kids and talking to moms and eating dinner and and really yucking it up with the parents. Um, he just had that charisma about him. He really did. Um, but anyway, uh, RIP to Bobby Bowden. He will be sorely missed in the entire college football world. And with that, have a great week.